0: hello welcome to wild and theology i'm kaylee and this is william
1: hi (laughs) (laughs) it's like should you introduce my name or should i introduce my name
0: (laughs) i don't know we always do that and then the other one just pipes in like hi yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) it reminds me of being a kid when like you know your parents and just like say hi yeah yeah
2: hi
0: (laughs) (laughs) anyway i guess this isn't really the intro um i'm including this yeah okay yeah (laughs) (laughs) um what is this intro for yours today
1: no this is for francis
0: okay okay um okay anyway yeah so we're wild in theology you can find us at wild in theology on twitter and instagram and that's all we have
1: yeah so we're going to be talking about francis and and his trip and he's a really good friend of ours. But yeah, so it was his experience with DMT a couple of years ago. And what happened to him and his life after the fact? And I think this is a really good story about how integration and preparation is so important. Because the long-term effects on his life, he would consider positive. But it was still very traumatic, as you'll find out. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's a good... It- I think it's a good conversation and it really highlights also personal responsibility and personal knowledge of oneself and like what, how you're affected by something and using that, using that personal knowledge to assess something's place in your life. Yeah. You know, in terms of psychedelics, that's what we're talking about, you know?
1: Yeah. Or in terms of everything, anything. Yeah. yeah.
0: In this context, psychedelics, but yeah, anything
1: for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that being said, Um, we are also using this podcast is our first in a, what is likely going to be a major part of our podcast for the foreseeable future, uh, is inviting people on to talk about their trips, what they experienced on the trip, their preparation and their integration. Mm -hmm. Uh, it can be an old trip that you experienced years ago, or it can be uh, the most recent trip. It's really up to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you wanna contact us for that, please find us on social media. You can just DM us and we'll, we'll get back to you as soon as possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and one final fun announcement. Um, I'll put a link in the description, but I recently did a video essay for the integral stage on YouTube. Uh, the video is about how entheogens relate to integral theories, four facets of transformation, growing up, cleaning up, Waking Up and Showing Up, which I define in more detail in the video. Uh, I think it turned out really, really well. So definitely check that out. And I thank you so much to Integral States for having me on. Um, so yeah, getting into the actual podcast.
0: It's great to have you on. Yeah,
3: it's, it's about time. It's, uh, we've been talking about this uh, for close to a year now.
0: Huh? Yeah.
1: It must be, yeah. Like One of our original intentions with this podcast was to have like people on to talk about their trips. And so we contacted you, knowing you'd done DMT, and we are like, yeah let's get you on like eight episodes in we're just talking to you
3: and it was quite a trip, so um yeah, yeah definitely something worth sharing so uh
1: tell us a little bit about why you decided to do d m t like what was your life like kind of leading into it that led you to decide
0: yeah, who were you at the time of this? <laughs> if you remember
3: yeah, of course i, uh, I so
0: again.
3: it so um uh, if I calculate probably about seven years ago
2: okay wow. no,
3: about seven years ago and it's crazy to think that it was seven years ago it does not feel like that long ago mm-hmm. um nice. yes yeah, so, so, so so about seven years ago uh i was smoking weed almost daily i actually lived with a bunch of guys that smoked a lot mm-hmm. and one of the guys i lived with his father grew so it was just completely easy to access we didn't even have to pay for it we had like a whole bag of marijuana in the kitchen like a like a duffel bag. Yeah. And and so at that time I was doing a lot of uh, you know just recreational drug use. And I wouldn't say that I was addicted to anything, but you know, I did pills regularly like MDMA and, and ecstasy uh, speed. I, and uh, you know, I had some psychedelic experiences before that. I had done mushrooms I believe three times. And uh, so one one night, I was at home. Uh, I, I think I was just working on music, and one of the guys that I lived with, uh, this guy called Eric, he just came back home, and he and he worked at a tattoo shop at the time, and he said there was this crazy old man at the tattoo shop, and he always he he always comes down, and uh, he had DMT, and he like gave me DMT, and he and he you know spoke to me about it, and so like I had DMT, like, and at the time it was my birthday. So everyone was like, oh, I want to do DMT. And Eric was like, it, it's Francis' birthday. So if Francis wants to do it, I'll do it with him. And boy, did I like to be honest, I should have probably <laughs> but but um
1: such a bizarre birthday party idea. Like let's get together and do DMT.
3: Yeah. It wasn't even like I I think my birthday was like the next day. So it wasn't oh. like a thing uh or anything. It was more just um, you know. I don't think he actually bought anything for me. <laughs> so, so that was his way. <laughs> that was his way of being like, I did my uh, did my birthday due diligence. Yeah. But uh yeah, se- essentially uh I-, I think I would preface this with like with any psychedelic trip, you want to go into it no know- like knowing it, first of all that it's a psychedelic. <laughs> uh, you know, second of all, yeah. S- second of all, no know, know, kind of knowing what you want to get out of the trip. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And I went into it not knowing it was a psychedelic that was like in any way similar to mushrooms. Wow. Um, So I think, yeah, so that's like the whole, like how it happened. And in terms Mm -hmm. of who I was at the time, you know, I've always been me, but I think I was a little, a little more careless. Yeah. at, At the time, I think that even with like my health, my mental health and just Even how I was in my relationships, I was just, if it feels like I'm unapologetically me now, like you should have met me then. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
0: Are you saying it was worse or better? It could be
3: both. It could be both, right? Because some people I met, you know, thought it was extreme. And some people were just like, you know, I wish I could be like that. So it's it's always been a paradox, a bit. But mm-hmm. I would say that you know the DMT was a big part of me looking inwards after that point in my life. See that I think that's the way I would put it, is that at that time I didn't look inwards a lot.
1: Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I guess if like I can relate that to my own experience when like I was smoking weed every day, it's like I didn't want to do anything. Like I know some people can be productive and everything while smoking weed a lot, but for me personally, and it sounds like for you too, it's like, you're not really focused on your life when you're smoking weed that often or doing drugs that often. So it's like, was that how it was for you as well?
3: I, I think it was definitely a part of it that yeah. the constant drug use uh, was a, a numbing agent. Mm-hmm. But it, but I think just generally at the same time, I was someone who was highly not anxious. Like I, I didn't have any anxiety at all. In fact, um, anytime someone had anxiety, not that I wasn't empathetic, but it was very hard for me to relate to because I never had anxiety my entire life. Yeah. Wow, interesting. Um, and so, you know, the human spirit without any, any anxiety, it's like Great. sort of un- unstoppable in a way, right? Like you kind mm-hmm. of, you never get boggled down by any of your own self doubt. So that's kind of like what my mindset was that I just, Never felt any self-doubt, and I never felt any anxiety, and I never dealt with those kinds of mental things, despite the fact that I was doing a lot of, you know, drugs and and yeah, so. Wow, interesting.
1: So, yeah, that like our first couple questions are like, where, who were you at the initial (laughs) start? Why DMT? What was your intention? But it's like you you kind of just went in
3: fully blind. I would, I, would, I would say that's a good assessment. Yeah.
0: And you didn't even know what it was, you said? Like DMT, you weren't familiar with it as a psychedelic?
3: Yeah. So the, I think the only thing I knew, uh, and I had mentioned this to Will, uh, was it like last week or the week before, mm-hmm. was that I, I had read an article on this Facebook page. I don't know if it exists anymore, but it was called I Fucking Love Science, I-F-L-S.
2: Mm. <laughs>
3: and it was just this page that, Posted like cool articles, but it was pseudoscience. (laughs) (laughs) None of this was real science. (laughs) Anything that would like do, I guess, a clickbait for for people on Facebook. And there was Mm -hmm. an article about GMT and how uh, whoever was writing the article said that it could connect you to parallel worlds. And at the time, I was really interested in quantum mechanics. Mm -hmm. And there's an interpretation of quantum mechanics that's called the many worlds theory. Mm-hmm. but basically the whole idea of that is that to explain the collapse of the wave function, and I won't get super into it because it's really complicated,
2: mm-hmm. but
3: essentially like particles have a duality. They can act like waves and they can act like particles, meaning that they can be like a wave of p- potential possibility or they can be like a fi- like a, like a defined finite thing, right? Yeah. And a, and a way to explain like why when you don't record it, it acts like a wave and why you, when you record it, it doesn't is one of the theories called a the many worlds theory that every single time a quantum event happens, the universe splits off into two parallel universes. One version of let's say Kaylee, uh, you know, drinks uh, the the Kool-Aid and then the other version doesn't. <laughs> right. And yeah. that's the whole idea that, that that, that actual explanation removes the most amount of variables, all the other interpretations have like all these, uh, um, you need to have all these other like sort of inserted variables to, 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 to make the, the explanation theory make sense. Yeah. So, I was really interested in that and the TMT article revolved a lot around that. So I was like, oh, that would be neat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah,
3: yeah. So I guess
0: just for
1: uh, a PSA, please go in with better intentions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. And you did it with multiple people, you said, at the same time.
3: So, uh, well, we we uh, it was just me and Eric. Oh,
0: okay. And
3: the actual experience of 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 just doing it, uh, like smoking it, was uh, we did it out of a bong. And uh, when when we went to go do it, I didn't do enough. Uh, Eric did his hits, and he was out. And I kind of stopped. I w- I, I kind of didn't really even take my hit yet, and I just watched to see if something would happen to him because <laughs> i i just you know th- we were doing it there was a high level anxiety it smelled really weird it, it had like this really chemical like still t- today i can i can it's imprinted in my mind the smell of that because it was such mm-hmm. an experience
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, in fact actually when i smell weed today i still think of dmt that's how impactful it was you know yeah um because it was like mixed in with the you know, the bong and everything, mm. but, um, but so he, he came out of it. It was about five minutes. So I knew it was like short lived and, mm. and I saw that he was fine, relatively fine. And so then I said, okay, well, I, I might as well go down the rabbit hole. And that's when I did it.
0: And what happened there?
3: <laughs> yeah. So, th- so when I did the first hit, uh, I, I, I the first thing I saw essentially is if, if ever you've done like a low dose of mushrooms, Uh, It felt as though the room was kind of wavy, but I didn't have as much of the mental feeling Mm -hmm. of like being disorganized, which is pretty common on mushrooms. Yeah, absolutely. You become unable to have like linear thoughts. Uh, That didn't really like happen. I was just sort of seeing a uh, just a visual distortion a little bit in the lights. And, you know, you guys seen the lights in my room, right? Uh, yeah. That was right above me. So all the lights were facing up and I could sort of see, you know, the lights doing some weird stuff. <clears throat> and then, then when I decided, okay, like if I'm going to do it, I might as well just do it. And I, I took that second hit and I, and I really kept it in, you know, it, it's hard to keep in that smoke. It's not like normal weed smoke.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, it's extremely hard on the esophagus and, and like lungs. And I thought, you know, I'm going to take the hits, hold it in as long as possible, you know, let it go and then just lie down. Yeah. Because like, I've even done salvia before and that was the case when I did salvia. Right. But um, I, took the, I took the second hit and before I could even, uh, you know, uh, put the smoke out of my mouth, I can't speak. Damn. <laughs> Um, I, I, the, the, the bong, like I was looking at the bong and it completely vanished out of my hand. Wow! Like it, you could imagine, you know, those psychedelic, um, cartoons mm. where stuff just melts,
2: mm-hmm.
3: like the entire reality fragment of reality, like every, all of reality around me just closed in, into my eyes, like all of the room just collapsed, Uh And I think the best way I could describe the process of it collapsing is if you could imagine, um, uh, what would be like uh, something that happens in, in nature, you know, that that, that's sort of similar. Um, I don't know. I don't know if anything like necessarily happens in nature that's super similar to this, but if you could imagine... Uh, all the space leaving a room, like that's what, that's what happened is all the space left the room and the room now existed sort of in, in, in the center of my mind. It was no longer a uh, separate from, um, you know, cause when you experience reality in, in normal waking life, yeah. you're like an individual and then everything else is separate from you and you can touch it. Right. Right, Okay. But when, when that happened, that moment happened, it was as if like reality was just in my mind. The reality outside of me ceased, ceased to exist okay. completely.
1: Well, it, I know that there's a um, an experience in like spiritual enlightenment where people will call it like pancake sky, where it almost it seems as if like the sky flattens out completely on your head. And it's like the sky becomes a massive blue pancake that's like directly in your head, basically. Is that like how you yeah. describe it?
3: Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to put it. The, all of everything that's 3D sort of just closes in like a Rubik's cube, you know? It's yeah. the, uh, it, it, it no longer has that significance of, of being outside of you. Okay. So, so then right after that uh, was like probably the worst part because the last trip that I had was a really intense mushroom trip And in that mushroom trip, I had a guy who was on the left of me. And when I was in like the peak of like the bad trip, I was glued to the bed. I was fusing with objects in the room. And in this trip, it was almost like I uh, was trapped in a, in a sort of psychotic cycle. I don't even know how to explain it, but it was like Mm -hmm. a loop and all I, and all of the visual components of the loop became intertwined with the um, mental state of what I was experiencing. And was this on DMT or mushrooms? Sorry. This was mushrooms. Okay. And the thing is when I got off of the mushrooms, when I like slowly came off and, and kind of took in the room and took in the fact that I was, you know, back, uh, I sort of forgot about all that stuff. Mm. Like it really just vanished from my mind in a way that was like, I had closure from it. Mm -hmm. And I don't really know how else to explain that other than that. I had the time to process it and to sort of accept, to come to acceptance. Mm -hmm. And so that when I came out of it, it was almost like I was shedding it
2: Mm -hmm.
3: completely. Uh, But then when I took the DMT, I like went right back there. It was like the weirdest thing. I, Mm -hmm. I went right back. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the the guy who was doing the the DMT with me was also, again, on my left side, lying down in the same position uh, that uh, the other guy was when I did my mushroom. So that, like, triggered, like, the similarity in the situation of how I was placed triggered, like, a reliving of that really intense experience on mushrooms, which was really traumatic. And then right when I got there, I was like, petrified and I didn't um, want to go through this again because it was it was so um mind-shattering. I, I I don't really know how to explain it. It was just
1: I've experienced something very similar on uh I think it was like 2 C B or something like that. I didn't even know what it was. Like this was when I was like eight seventeen or eighteen. So it was when I was dumb as fuck. And I got caught in a loop where it's like we would be talking about Star Wars and then we'd come back to talking about Star Wars and I'd never be able to get off exactly what I was saying about Star Wars. Just like always coming back to that statement. And once I like realized that I was aware of coming back to that statement, it became like horribly anxiety inducing because I was like, oh my God, I'm trapped in this world where all I can talk about is this one statement from Star Wars.
3: Yeah, Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to put like what led up to that like very intense point where I was stuck. Mm -hmm. which was like everything that led up to it was a a sort of melting of the barrier between me and this guy in all ways. I could see, I could see his thoughts. He could see my thoughts, uh, our bodies fused. I mean, it was absolutely, uh, you know, if you're really into that kind of thing, you know, and you're seeking that experience out, you could sort of describe it as, um, Exactly what you wanted, you know, and, and mm-hmm. super exhilarating, and and uh, but for me, you know, just wanting to do some mushrooms on a Saturday <laughs> night, it was a lot, and I didn't have uh, like a supportive figure there for to sure. sort of tell me, "Hey, like you're on mushrooms, like reality is gonna go back to normal, like you're gonna get out of this cycle that you've gotten into," where essentially, you know, I I went crazy. Mm -hmm. I think the best way I could put it is I went crazy and there was no one there to, to tell me like that the insanity was temporary. So going back to the GMT trip, I I went, if you could think of it like a tunnel, like a, like for example, in star Wars, when you go light speed. Yeah. So I went light speed through a tunnel and obviously none of this stuff that I'm about to say is proven, but I think it's good to speak maybe in terms of metaphors, because Okay. It's better to have something that people can at least understand rather than talking about, you know, hyper crystals and, and all, <laughs> but if you could imagine taking like being on mushrooms versus being on acid versus being DMT, I could almost think of it as like, there are levels of the psychedelic experience and each level, you could think of it as a different physical place on the way to like the ends place which is the place you see on DMT right so when you take mushrooms you're sort of tapping in to the DMT world okay but you're just putting you're just putting your foot in like you know you're uh, you're not uh jumping in with your entire body yeah exactly okay so the process of going from baseline which is just being sober to you know the peak of my DMT trip was going through what you would normally take an hour to go through on mushrooms, and then just flying right by. It.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: and so that's that's really what happened is that like I went to to back to my mushroom trip, I was like hell no. <laughs> but by the time I said hell no, I was already like at the next astral plane. Yeah. yeah by the time and then at that point, like these entities were sort of trying to get into my body, and I was like hell no. <laughs> And oh then I jump past that. And, yeah, yeah. and then like at this point, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm still on my way there. And I see uh, this sort of, I don't even know how to explain it. The, you know how like Terrence McKenna talks about these mischievous elves. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, I don't see them as like all like different elves. I saw this like one jokerish type thing. And he was just so weird he was mm-hmm. so weird looking like you didn't feel necessarily that he was evil but you also felt like yo this guy is not chill <laughs> 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 you
2: know,
3: this dude is like yeah. alien you know and he has no concern for me really uh, and that's kind of what he's letting me know telepathically like kind of like in the same way that humans are with animals okay. i felt that with with this thing right yeah and like you
1: were the animal compared to him
3: yeah. But not just the animal. Like I was like the cell in the Petri dish. Like he was doing these like weird things to me. Like, yeah. He would, he would uh, you know, poke and prod me. He'd be like, Oh, look, I can, I can take this part of your mind out, you know, and, and send thoughts this way. And, and you're just like, he can take a memory. You know, this thing can take a memory and then infuse it with a color and then just put his face in it you know like I don't know how to explain it it's like mm-hmm. yeah, you know, on yeah. mushrooms you start to feel as though smells go with colors and you know what I'm, you know what I'm for saying? sure yeah it's like the synesthesia sy- 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 yeah. yeah 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 but this is like personified into a into like a visual entity imagine like there was a separate visual entity mm-hmm. and all of those things that you kind of experience when you're on mushrooms were just like out of your body like just sort of imprinted in front of your face okay and um it's not chill it's not a cool feeling (laughs) I I personally didn't like that but the crazy thing is I didn't even stay there I kept going like it was so intense you know and I went right by that and then this was the part that uh was like the peak of the trip which was I got to the peak to the to the very like place where i didn't go from until i actually came down in maybe four or five minutes and this place all i could describe it as it was um it was like my spirit was above me in a nirvana like shape Mm -hmm. and uh when i say nirvana i mean like the position okay you know, like with the with Buddha.
1: Oh, like uh, in a, in like sitting Zazen with like your legs crossed kind of,
3: yeah, okay. Oh, I see. So, exactly. So there was like this Buddha mm-hmm. thing, you know, made entirely of energy, like completely of energy, all separated by these, I call them eyes, but they're not eyes. They, each of them have like a memory in them or mm. like something that is significant to me but also deeply universal. Okay. And all of this is like going to infinity, hmm. like I mean, it never ends, except even though it never ends, it's totally self-contained within my own mind. And the thing that is in front of me that looks like this, I don't even know what I would call it, God um, is totally neutral looking. Um, and it's, it's not even really aware of my presence. I, mm. And I can talk to it, but it's not, you know, if you would talk to a human being or something, they'd get like animated, they would react, even animals do, you know, they, they'd they react. This thing was like, I'm piloting, I'm, I don't even know that I'm here piloting this universe to God knows where. Mm. It was Jesus-like, you know, it was as if this being didn't know how it ended up there. Was the creator of the universe, and it was on a, on a balance, like a like a literal balance of evil and good. Yeah, yeah. And if you in this space would start having like negative thoughts, you would start to see like disgusting, devilish things in your periphery start to consume the space. Okay. But then, but then, if you would s- sort of just give in to this being. Mm-hmm. then you would just be like in this eternal love space to infinity so you mm-hmm. you constantly from moment to moment had a choice of whether to be present with this thing that sort of was not even really aware that you were there or to sort of go onto the periphery where it was like holy shit i don't, <laughs> I don't <laughs> there, you know <laughs> it's uh, terrifying and yeah uh, sure. uh, and i think the best visual thing I've ever seen that encapsulates this place that I was in for about three, four minutes was, is that Alex Gray painting, you know, the tool painting.
0: Is it called the net of being? I think is the one. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Alex Gray is crazy. When I say that I've never seen someone capture in art the emotional experience of what it's like to be there. I mean, he does Mm. such a good job. Because after that experience, I went to go and look and see if I could find people uh, or anything that that showed me what I saw because it was just so alien. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the, the the last thing I'll say about this place uh, that I was in, for, of course, it was infinite. And of course, uh, it was, you know, gorgeous and beautiful and so so humbling, I think that was like the number one thing is that it just really humbled me as a person. I was like, damn, I ain't shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really am not shit. You know, it's like ego shattering. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I think that the, the the thing about this place that was the most bizarre and is still the most bizarre to me is that I don't believe that this place is like a place in somewhere in time, like it's, it exists in everyone's mind. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And um, this place is both deeply universal and personal. It was as if I went back in time before any matter existed. Yeah. But then at the same time, it was like I was in the womb before I was born. Mm -hmm. And I was just a single cell you know and, and a single cell in a in a in a in a sort of wave of possibility like the, this this vortex or whatever the hell i was in it was like when you were born you would escape this vortex as mm-hmm. a as a, a a being of matter in physical space but that all of physical space was sort of projected from this thing mm-hmm. That's what I felt. You know, this thing was the the engine of all of physical reality. Right. And it was right. as real as physical reality. I think that's the thing that disturbs me till today is that a lot of people, even when they take mushrooms and they've never taken mushrooms, they come out of it and they're like, that's magic. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's mm-hmm. magic. That's not like what you see on TV. Like, I see a pink elephant in the sky. That's like... Mm-hmm you know something happens between your mind and reality that you you didn't ever think was possible until you actually took the psychedelic
1: yeah well like you always hear about that kind of stuff where it's like if you do dmt um you see it's like the fabric of reality or the fabric of the universe so that like you know if you talk about uh again bringing up spiritual enlightenment of how people have experiences of infinite love and it's like you know, you talked earlier about how, like, if you don't have someone you can talk to about what you experience, so you're not prepared for those experiences. You really have no idea what how to interpret them, and it's like you. you it sounded like you experienced a feeling of oneness um, with your friend while you were on mushrooms, but when you didn't have any way to interpret that experience, you interpreted it in a negative way because it was just so intense. And so it's like a lot of these experiences seem to be touching on different varieties of consciousness or different permutations of consciousness that are so profoundly different than our our regular experience that if you don't have anything to ground that in any way to describe it, it's just so alien that it it can be traumatizing almost. You know what I mean? It's like you talk about like losing the sense of space and it's like you're, you're for whatever reason that chemical makes it so that your brain can't comprehend space and it's just like that that sense just disappears and that's Alien as fuck, because you constantly are aware of the, the the of space. You know, it's just so profound.
3: Yeah, I, I think there's a few things you say there I agree with, but there's some other things that maybe mischaracterize, like, okay. and that might have to do with how I'm explaining it. Because the mushroom trip that I had, even though I came out of it and and I had the closure and and overall it was like a healing thing, mm. I think that has to do with the fact that I had the time to be, because when I think of the DMT trip, it's hard for me to say that it's a, a negative trip. And okay. I think anyone that would would have a DMT trip that would like go to that point of, of that space that I'm talking about, you sort of realize that uh, you can't come out of there and say it was a good or a bad trip. You just you cannot, because mm-hmm. everything every level up to there, you can grapple with a sort of human interpretation of what is good and bad. But when you go to a place where it's nothing and everything at the same time, it doesn't really matter how you interpret it. Uh, It doesn't matter if it's the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. It is fucking intense. Like it it is so traumatic (laughs) Mm -hmm. and so quick that anyone who would go to that space and come out and be like, it was a good time. Like just, Completely, and that there was no feeling of like, uh, you know, this is like I like almost like I, I you die, yeah. Like no one is actually tr- truly being honest when you when you get to that level of 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 that DMT uh, space, you don't come away with a good or a bad trip. It's just the most intense experience mm-hmm. you know human being can do can go through that doesn't involve dying you know that you can you can come back from yeah so good and bad or or you know are really simplistic terms to and i'm really not trying to be contrived it's really simplistic to describe the feeling of becoming god like the For feeling sure, of yeah. becoming god is is because people ask me like you know okay you did dmt i want to do dmt and
1: i mean i definitely want to do dmt after this description yeah <laughs>
3: and and people always say and it's not just you but people always say like okay i want to do dmt and i and i want to experience this and i and i've always said that dmt has definitely made a good change in my life and i think that for most people it would do the same if you have the if you're able to at least like translate some of what you learn and and bring it back yeah but i don't think any human should be taking dmt like that's my honest opinion and And Mm. this is not to discourage someone if they want to take it. But I I think that the psychedelic experience just needs to be had in a way where you can uh, walk into it and walk out. You
2: know, you
3: you cannot be uh, shot into it like in a a light speed kind of way. Like, Mm. that's the problem with DMT is that what I have, you know, been able to at least understand the, the the you know once I got to the to the final place maybe I would have been able to understand it more had I been able to like slowly get into that space
2: mm-hmm. and instead,
3: instead I was just you know everyday normal Francis sober 20 seconds later you know God yeah <laughs> and anyone who can pretend that that is like you know a good experience is lying because no human is set up for to become God in 20 seconds. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Your
3: okay. psyche like we go through stressors in everyday life that are way less um <sighs> you know impactful, like you know, job, yeah. this is that and those things have stress on us, right? For sure. Can you imagine, you know, going from being just a normal human being to like Yeah. None of that is real. This is more real than all of that. I'm God now, or at least I'm a part Mm -hmm. of God. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it is universally good and bad. The trip, I definitely felt the feeling of if you stay with this entity, there's this infinite love Mm -hmm. at the time I was dating Victoria and, you know, thinking about her when I was at that peak. Um, we were also really in a good place uh, at the time. This was early on in the relationship. Um, Was really helpful, yeah. uh, To me, just kind of like, you know, dealing with my own personal issues when I was there. But uh, it's not to be messed around with. Like, I I think that people, if they if they want to do uh, like DMT, let's say for example, I think that they should do ayahuasca. You know, Mm -hmm. and they can do like an intense ayahuasca where there's a lot of DMT you know, have a brew where it's not like a light trip. Yeah. Like I feel like you don't need like there's this opinion that you should like dose up when you're doing mushrooms. I think that you can personally do a pretty intense dose of mushrooms even for your first dose because you're gonna have the time to go through it. And as long as you have a sitter, you can you can get through it, whether mm-hmm. or not like you learn some hard lessons.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: But by the time I was at the, the that you know point of the trip where I was just like you know in my mother's womb at the center of time and I was just thinking to myself like am I dead you know like what is you know I'm stuck in this this plasma and right as I thought that you know everything starts coming back it's like a mirage yeah Mm
2: -hmm.
3: you know and and then the room starts to place itself and and then you're sort of talking to yourself like you're an insane person. You're like, oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I remember. I'm just this person. I'm just right. like a per- human being. You know, room kind of. You know, it's funny. You can actually see the corners of the room. They take the longest because they're the furthest away from you. Mm-hmm. They take the longest to sort of place back into their corners. You know, um, it's and that that really. Ha- was a high like that feeling really instilled in me this idea that we're active participants in reality we are not like you know for example when someone dies i i strongly believe that universe ceases to exist in a way okay we think oh like all these other people are walking around the universe is you know still existing blah blah but Have you ever? Have you ever? I don't mean to get like all like pseudo philosophical here, but have you ever asked yourself how is it that of all things that you could have ever been, you are you? And of all animals, of all things in the universe, you somehow just happen to be you. Yeah, absolutely. And to me, that going through that line of thinking is just the idea that like life is not like as real as we think it is. Mm. Like this idea that people die and then other people are born and everything continues without you. I don't really buy it too much. Like, it, mm-hmm. I, I think more of life as as something that you experience. And when you stop experiencing it, it stops existing. Yeah. Does that make kind of sense, like. Honestly,
1: I don't even know. Like, I, I think I kind of know what you mean, but I'm not too sure I fully know what you mean. Cause it's like, I guess the the easy answer to that would be like, like you said, of course, life continues on, the universe continues on because there are other people living it. But it's like, I feel like you're pointing to something else when you say that.
3: Okay, so in the many worlds theory, the guy yeah. is called Hugh Everett, okay? The one who okay. created the theory. Uh, he's, he's, he's passed away now. Mm-hmm. And he said, if my theory is correct, I can take a gun, okay?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And put like a, uh, it's basically as, uh, you would use some kind of, uh, quantum like subatomic event and they they can actually like trigger this uh, they do in the short schrodinger's cat experiments um i don't know like what how how to explain it exactly but they trigger a quantum event and whether the particle flips up or down the gun will either shoot or not it's kind of like exactly the same experiment as schrodinger's cat Mm -hmm. where like is the cat dead or alive except with yourself and it's a gun right okay and he said that if what i'm saying is correct i can trigger this quantum event to shoot the gun however many times a million times and from my perspective i will always outlive the gun i'm essentially immortal okay. and that's kind of what the gmt trip sort of made me realize okay that the, that in a certain way that i'm not aware of i'm immortal that It's not as though um, everyone around this person, Hugh Everett, that has, you know, the gun. At some point, someone would see the gun go off and he would be dead. Yeah. From his perspective, one of him would always continue on. And the one, the the person that always continues on is him. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem different for him. That's what the many worlds theory sort of illustrates, right? Yeah. And I'm saying the exact same thing, which is that you're not just you, you are actually God. That's why you are you. It's not because um, you're just like a random, you know, in, you know, being of matter that just, it was just like a random thing. You could have been Chris, you could have been Sean, like all of reality exists because you visualize it mm-hmm. and you know, you think of history as being something that existed before you, and 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 the future is is being past you. But we know very well that that's not how time works. Physics mm. shows us that's, that's not how time works. Okay, the, the future is happening right now, just like the past is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just straight up physics that sh- that you know shows that. And, and so my point is not that you are like the only thing that exists, and everyone else is just like. A character like in your life but that the system is based on this notion that we are creating the reality in a way that is way more impactful than the thing than the idea that it just exists without us so, make sense like
1: yeah i think so like that's the thing man like once you get into quantum weirdness and like the nature, like the, the nature of the substance of reality and stuff like this, like is, is the reality that we see around us? Like, is is there actually something physical out there or is it just all consciousness? And it's like, is all, is everything just like the mind of, of an infinite God? And it's just like spinning out all these like infinite different personas that is playing. And there's like, there's so many other different theories and, and ways of interpreting all these kind of, uh, very deep metaphysical questions and it's like yeah i don't know like uh, that's the thing like when when you're talking about experiences that you have on dmt and like the nature of reality i just don't even know how to wrap my mind around that because i've never been on dmt you know what i mean it's like you're talking about something that i can only just like imagine in my head like Mm -hmm. when you talk about like this this really weird guy who's like joining memories with colors and things like that. I, I'd like imagining some like 90s cartoon villain doing this in a Petri dish, you know what I mean? And so it's like, until you've really experienced something like that, you can't say much about it. Like it's just it just goes beyond words almost.
3: Yeah, I think I think it does. But, you know, what is, what is the difference between, for example, religious people and non-religious people? You know, non-religious people or secular people, forget non-religious people, that's kind of too broad of a term but secular people sort of just want to be convinced based on like human rational, rational, Mm -hmm. right? But some people know of God in a way where you just cannot convince them otherwise. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that taking DMT is that kind of experience. When you become aware of something that, that you cannot, and that's the thing that Hugh Everett said, I would never be able to prove that my gun thing is correct. Right. Because Mm -hmm. I would be the only one who knows yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I could tell them that the gun went off a million a, a million times. Like you get what I'm saying? But all yeah. the other Everetts would have died. So um I think the, the point, the the point I'm trying to illustrate here, and it's it's interesting because I, I watched a documentary on black holes last night, and I recommend <laughs> you guys watch it. And you know, black holes are like a mystery box for physicists, and a lot of physicists dedicate their whole lives to trying to figure out like they, they know these things exist, you know, they did all this work to like photograph one, uh, they, they're trying to coincide all of their physics theories with what they have right now. But what is interesting about a black hole in terms of the way they describe it now, is that is what a DMT trip is like. Okay, it literally is what it's like. So you can see these parallels happening in nature. And we want to sit here and talk about like, you know, we want to have like a science-based conversation, but when you see when you go to GMT and you can see what you experience reflected in nature itself, mm-hmm. you just kind of subconsciously know. Like if you look at a tree, for example, you know the way that the tree branches out, mm-hmm. right? And then you look at a neural system, right? Is it a coincidence that the the neural system in a human body looks like a tree? It actually branches out at the end of the nerves like a tree Mm -hmm. and so when you when you do dmt and you know all this stuff which i just happen to know and you're trying to make sense of it the thing that makes the most sense to me is like you have all of these things that scientists are trying to figure out but then you go and you have a a, like a deeply intense spiritual experience Mm -hmm. and and then once you get to the to the peak you're like Oh, like, I get it. Like you get there and you get the answer. You know, they're always after the unified field theory in quantum, uh, in physics, right? Mm-hmm. The theory that would combine quantum mechanics, general relativity, and, you know, unlock the stars, unlock all the answers to everything everywhere. Right. But when you take DMT, you literally know what that, that equation is. Like you just know it, you become a yeah. god, Right, mm-hmm. and not only do you become a God, you're like a black hole. All mm-hmm. matter has shriveled down to a point where time stops, mm-hmm. exactly how they describe black holes. And so then you you come out of that trip, and either you have to convince yourself that it's a it's a coincidence somehow that you know I can lucid dream and create realities in my lucid dream that things exist like black holes that mirror the experience of, of peaking on DMT and you really have to ask yourself, like, am I going to do the mental gymnastics and and dedicate my life to convincing others of this? No, Mm -hmm. but like, do I know that there's a connection between the two on some sub like fundamental level that like, you know, we are literally made of stardust, you know, we're literally made of the stuff that, you know, turns into black holes. I don't mm-hmm. think it's a coincidence that our individual experience is mirrored in the in the the macro of the universe,
1: mm-hmm.
3: like that you know the the big uh, the the black holes and the stars and stuff. For sure, yeah, yeah. And really, kind of the philosophy that I have is that life is a dream in a way that we don't. That is, nothing is like to put it into perspective, you know how like we have like people who are insane, clinically insane, like have schizophrenia and stuff. Sure. What do we what do we do though, to those people? Right. We say your experience uh, are delusions because they're not shared
2: mm-hmm.
3: with everyone else. Right. But literally what makes reality just a shared experience. But what is reality? It's a delusion. It's a literal illusion.
2: Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm.
3: And so is the schizophrenic person actually uh, having delusions, or are they just like having a a different experience in reality? And Mm -hmm. my opinion is that the schizophrenic person isn't crazy. Mm -hmm. They are just having a different chemistry in their mind, which is producing a different reality for them. So the things that happen in their reality are real. Mm -hmm. And we spend however much time we build up institutions to tell these people it's not real it's a delusion mm-hmm. take these medications mm-hmm. so you can kind of come into our collective shared experience but that was the lesson from DMT was that yeah you're god you're 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 essentially god you know mm-hmm. and and all of the stuff that you go through as a human i mean it's it's temporary in the most exaggerated way
1: for sure yeah Well, there's just one thing that I wanted to say about like what you were saying before. It's like, I think that just goes to show that we need to have epistemic humility in the sense that we have a bunch of assumptions about the nature of certain things, whether it's the nature of reality or mental illness that we kind of like gloss over as if those assumptions are absolutely true and we can create just like amazing things. Clearly we can off of faulty assumptions because everything that comes after makes sense. But it's like that assumption at the beginning that isn't necessarily true. Like, for example, um, uh, the assumption about like schizophrenia, you talked about where it's like, you say that, Oh, it's a, it's a mental illness and they're not perceiving our reality because schizophrenia decreases your ability to survive. Right. And it's like, okay, well then you're assuming that survival is what we what we use to define what is real and what is not. It's like is that assumption actually true? Like is survival really like the the ground upon which all truth is based? It's like maybe, maybe not, but that is an assumption. And well, I feel what, like what
3: makes an experience real, to be honest.
1: For sure, man. Like we've we've talked about this multiple times on this podcast, because like I don't think there is a real answer about what is real. And that's kind of like my point. It's like we need to have that humility to say that, like, we really don't know at the end of the day. We need to have that skepticism, not only about, like, the the low-hanging fruit, like, I, I don't know, like, um, is Donald Trump, is he actually still the president of the United States, right? Or the very bedrock of our of our sciences which is like that there's an external objective physical reality it's like we need to have skepticism about both those things maybe a bit more skepticism about certain things of course but at the same time it's just like having that humility to say that certain assumptions are being made that we don't necessarily have proof for i guess is my point
2: yeah i I agree
1: okay well uh, how about you talk to us now about like you like you were you were kind of getting in there before I interrupted you where you're talking about like you experienced yourself as god and then that affected your life in a very profound way so why don't you get into that for a little bit
3: yeah so i think from that experience going forward i just uh like i said you know looked inwards a lot more i think you know i i never had anxiety i've had anxiety ever since uh I've had anxiety. Like I would, I would describe like what happened kind of gaming PTSD. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when you see it and it's, it's completely real to you, uh, you, you never forget it. And, uh, because, you know, I've never forgotten it. It's kind of like, I'm always not questioning reality, but just I'm like, at this point I'm like, I'm playing along with what I know, has been true for the most part because that was just a five minute window in my life you know yeah. <laughs> what's been true for the most part is 28 years of life mm. and you know i gotta keep going <laughs> i gotta keep functioning as a person but a big part of me is is uh you know ponders the questions of like what happened that day and, and uh what does it mean in terms of like what's going on in my like sober life you know going forward and mm-hmm. i always revisit it of just first, you know, now I have anxiety. It's, it's not something I ever struggled with. And now I have, um, it's not like all the time, but I have, I would say like a normal amount of anxiety, like, Mm um, self-doubt, you know, uh, like I think, you know, in a certain way, more empathy, you know, uh, like, uh, understanding that, uh, people's comfort matter and, 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 even if i don't agree with someone that uh, we're sort of all sharing this you know space together space could be anything yeah. Yeah. even more minimal than that so um i think i think that in all the ways that it was a negative trip the negativity allowed me to become someone who takes the time to assess their behavior rather than just kind of glossing over and being like well if they don't like me that's their problem
1: yeah, yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, it's it's interesting that like it took being able to suffer for you to actually start honoring other people's suffering. You know,
3: Yeah. Like, I, yeah. Go ahead. And, but it, but in in a, in a day-to-day way because I wouldn't say yeah. that I was not doing that at all. It's more just that uh when life when when you when you think that life is like the end all, like just normal like life mm-hmm. what we what we go through day in and day out. And your life experience has shaped you in a certain way, whatever it may be, but like you've lived a privileged life, um, which I did, you know, I can totally admit to that. Um, that makes you, uh, especially when it comes to like the kind of life that we live in the West, where it's like hedonistic. Yeah, it, it, pr- it pretty much is right. It can make you sort of... Uh, Chase, chase things that are not necessarily wrong, but that don't bring happiness really to you and to others. And so, mm-hmm. taking psychedelics is a way to go to, away from hedonism. I think that that's the reason why, you know, governments and corporations sort of try to push psychedelics away because so psychedelics, whether or not the experiences are good or bad, uh, I think that the reason that they're medicine is that they they cause you to experience shame for the for the right things. Yeah. Okay. Rather than the wrong things. Like a lot, often people experience shame in real life for things that, you know, have been programmed, It's like programmed shame. Um, mm. But mushrooms or acid or any, any of those, they make you experience shame for things that you've put in a dark corner recess of your mind, but that you should be addressing, you know, that, 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 you know, wh- whether it's the relationship you have with your friends, the, uh, the relationship you have with your parents, like these fundamentals that people sort of just forget about in the self-pursuit of their own selfish desires and Mm -hmm. pleasures and and success in life, whatever the fuck that means, you know?
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you were saying earlier about DMT and how you don't think people should use DMT. And um, that's interesting. I've, I've heard things similar to that because it is, like you said, it was like 20 seconds. It took you from being just Francis chilling to Francis is now God. And obviously it's like, I, like, I love hearing about people's DMT experiences because I haven't taken DMT. I do want to just to like, because of the experience. But I mean, I, it's amazing how much you have to say because it just sounds so ineffable. Um, but I have heard similar things where people are just like, how can I possibly interpret that? And what does that even mean? That it just almost seems unnecessarily intense like why would you put yourself through that and what can you actually take from that and apply to your life because it's just so quick and it's so intense and it's so bizarre um but i mean yeah things like mushrooms and acid and ayahuasca like you said it's like a whole experience that you go through over like hours and it is more as much as it like changes your consciousness and will help you experience like different things like you're still you and you're still there in in your reality, whatever form it takes. Um, so yeah, like, w- do you think you would, are you open to using psychedelics again? Do you think you would have any um, use for that in your life?
3: Uh, so two things, um, just kind of want to like unpack what you said before yeah. I like answer that is that the thing about when I say that I don't recommend it, I think that some people could do it. Like mm-hmm. for example, um you know like for example you uh will and 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 Chris I think could deal with it TMT. Okay. but you guys like have a lot of mental tools you've mm-hmm. done a lot of psychedelics right and and not only have you done a lot of psychedelics you guys have put a big importance I've noticed in the last year or two into sort of self development uh, addressing traumas uh, you know all these things that I was just talking about so So I think that some people can deal with it. Now, the thing is like, I think I could have learned all the same lessons that I learned from the DMT and not live continuously with the anxiety because the PTSD comes from like the intensity of the short livedness the inability to digest, like how intense it was and the, um, the questioning, like the way that it just made me question what's real, like, and what's not. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I think that you can have just as intense of, ex- of an experience on, um, on ayahuasca, for example, mm-hmm. but the fact that you can glide into that experience and, and have moments of, of, of lucidity is important because if you don't have those moments to, to collect, then it's, it's impossible. Like you said, Kaylee, to, to do an- anything with it. So if someone wants to take DMT because they like, they're like scared of seven hours,
2: mm-hmm.
3: for example, okay, you know, do it, but, uh, try mushrooms first, at least understand, like, <laughs> yeah. at yeah. least understand what psychedelics are because they're the same family. They're the same kind of feeling, except it's more intense.
1: Yeah. It's not, a, it's not an
3: entry point at all. D- don't do it like for the first thing for sure. Um, and, uh, read uh, read up a lot about it but don't like don't start don't spend time looking at other people's experiences like Mm -hmm. i I would say like read up about uh, like the basics of like psychedelic healing uh you know what you know the importance of set and setting i think those things are important but like i don't think it's a good idea to like watch 20 trip reports Mm -hmm. and then go and do DMT.
1: Would you recommend then that people, if people are going to use something like DMT, that it would be far better just to use it with like an integration coach right there with them or a facilitator right there with them?
3: I don't think it matters. Like like I said, DMT is so intense and so quick that an integration coach, a sitter is fine because Mm. you just want to maybe make sure that the person stays in bed or (sighs) I don't know. But like you're not going to have a conversation with someone who just took DMT and, and is actually breaking through. Yeah. I cannot like sit in with them and, and, and talk them through things like...
1: Well, I guess it's more to like, what I mean is to li- like to after the experience is done, because I guess what I'm leading to is that you talk about how you almost have like these symptoms of PTSD after and it's like, if you had somebody that you could have gone to afterward, maybe even a couple sessions, or maybe even go now to like talk about this experience, do you think that that would have helped you deal with this, what seems to be a very traumatic experience?
3: I think no, it's simply, and I've tried, you know, I've I've talked to people that take DMT. I don't think anyone's ever gone as far as me. And I think that's not an egotistical thing I'm saying. It's because when I've researched into it about Mm. like the the different levels and I and some people that have taken DMT, you know, they talk to me. It's a very mushroom-like experience, but more intense, right? But you know, when I took the mushrooms, like I had like a level four experience. Mm. I don't know a single person in Montreal that's taken like three grams of mushrooms and gone like and done like a Terrence McKenna heroic dose. Like I literally, you know, had a quasi DMT trip on mushrooms. So I don't know what it is. Even when I did it the first time I was tripping way harder than everyone else I was doing with on the same amount. Okay. So cl- clearly the DMT uh, or the psychedelics affect me in a way, I think I'm predisposed to psychotic states Mm -hmm. on on um on on these drugs for sure so to answer your question kaylee no because i don't think that i digest psychedelics well i think that i there's no predictability you know you guys could like okay we have like one tablet you know Mm -hmm. whatever right and and you guys you know let's say would have a 10-hour trip you know i could literally end up in a a mental asylum yeah
2: yeah. 36 Mm -hmm.
3: hours off you know and And so there's no predictability for me. That's something I've noticed. Even the DMT, my friend came down in three minutes. I was out for like 12 minutes on less. Like I had like taken less because he had the most of the bowl. So it's, it's something that like in my life now, even it's the same reason I don't smoke. It's the same reason I don't do pills. The sober mind is a beautiful thing. I've done a lot of work when I was younger. I'm still doing the work. It's just not through psychedelics. Yeah. But, but ultimately, like, if you really want to do the DMT, you know, there's ways to do it that are healthy and responsible. But remember, you know, like, whoever's listening, remember that when you get to the peak, you know, you can maybe think back to this moment, you'll, you'll, you'll realize at that peak that it's not what you thought it was, like, it's, it's 100,000 times more intense than you could possibly square in your sober mind and Mm. i think that's the reason why people are like i really want to try dmt yeah yeah yeah, probably. because they really have no idea like how intense it is it's so intense like
0: yeah well that's one of the amazing things about psychedelics and why i love them so much it's just like what else is there you know it's just like to explore the limits of consciousness and like you were talking about earlier about being god in the sense that like you are creating your entire reality just by experiencing it. And just when you take psychedelics and how it changes, that's like, that in itself is the lesson, you know? It's not that that is real and that this isn't real, is that it's all real because you can experience it and you're just like expanding your scope of what is possible.
3: I think that's a really eloquent and mature way to look at, you know, because I described to describe it in a, in a, in a more like, not even fear-based, but I would guess, I would say like good and bad kind of way, right? Like a more Mm -hmm. primitive way. But I think the way you're describing it now is true that it's irrelevant whether or not this is all real. And I do know that to some level. I think what's relevant is that like, it shows you the beauty of the fact that you are here.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. Well, I I just wanted to, were you about to say something? Okay. I just wanted to say like, I, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in what you said and the fact that like you had these experiences that were extremely intense and based on your research, you decided that those experiences were far more intense than what the average users was. And so you decided for your own mental health to step away from psychedelics. And it's like, I feel like the narrative around the psychedelic Renaissance is that like, and I'm sure this is not always the case, but there is a certain narrative of like, psychedelics are a panacea that are just going to solve all the world's problems. Not for everybody and not in all cases, you know, it's like, you're a perfect example of somebody who just like, for whatever reason, doesn't, uh, jive well with psychedelics. And it's like, it takes a level of maturity to be able to step back and say, Hey, you guys can use all these things and that's great for you. And there might be some benefit here. But for me personally, I just don't get that benefit because I feel like a lot of people might bow to that pressure and say that, like, Oh, I need to use these. And like if I'm sick now, I just need to take more to be less sick. When in reality, the thing itself is making them sick.
3: Yeah, you could argue I jive too well with them. <laughs> yeah. That's true too. Yeah. You know, and and um but I I think the thing is like, what is my fear? Where where does all my anxiety stem from?
2: Hmm.
3: Like I'm scared of, and this is like a very vulnerable thing for me to say because I don't openly admit this a lot, but it's like I'm scared of that place.
1: Yeah.
3: Like, it is fucking scary. Like it is more scary than being lit on fire,
2: <laughs> you know, Damn, to get
3: yeah. you perspective, Right. Like yeah. it is as if you become like the center of time and there is no one and you are in a void and it is just nothing, nothing yeah. nothingness like for infinity. And, and mm. I think that that was another thing was just like, when I came back, I was just like, thank God there's something,
2: yeah. <laughs>
3: there's someone, there's yeah. someone, you know, and, 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 uh, thank God I'm not God, at least not right now. If, if yeah. I am and I'm not aware of it, like, I thank God, you know, for Kaylee and thank God for Will and, you know, but, but you get what I'm saying, right? Thank God there's something instead of nothing. And, um, and so again, like if everyone in the, in the world took mushrooms, I definitely think the world would be a better place. So I would, con- I would, I would say, yeah, you're right to say that it's not like a a hammer that just fixes all problems, Mm -hmm. but no matter what it does, even if it's at the expense of the uh, people who are taking it, um, it does create better people, even if it causes those people to be less happy. Like, I think that if you are, if you take mushrooms, right, and you have Mm -hmm. a really good experience, right, Mm -hmm. or if you take mushrooms and you really have a bad experience, now, both of those people might like come out of it like one just generally happier and one generally like, you know, I'm kind of fucked now. <laughs> but both of those people, I guarantee you will be better people for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the 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 duality and the weirdness of psychedelics is that it's not like MD, well, MDMA is a kind of psychedelic, but it's not the same thing at all, right? It doesn't work on the same receptors but that's the interesting thing about tryptamine psychedelics is that they are not a fun drug. <laughs> like we don't, you know, you do not take that for fun. You do not go to a party. Uh, if you do, then you're crazy, yeah. but, uh, or you just are not sensitive to it at all. But, uh, for me, the, 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 the psychedelics, the tryptamine psychedelics are, are healers through the use of shame. Like, okay. uh, Psychedelics heal the human spirit through shame for the correct things. Mm-hmm. It's like you could equate it to divine shame. Like if you think of like like I said, program shame, like shame for uh, your body, even though it's totally normal, or shame yeah. for, you know all of these things that affect you in like human society. Those are are shames that are coming from like judgment and, and other people. But mm-hmm. the shame, the shame that you experience. On mushrooms, which everyone does. You you I don't believe that you go through a trip without any shame. I always do, yeah. Yeah. Is is the fact, is the very fact of like the lie you tell yourself. It's yeah. the lie you tell yourself that you're faced with. Mm-hmm. And the lie that you say to yourself is the real cause of, un- of your unhappiness. It's the real cause of the unhappiness in the people around you. It's the one thing you could do to be a better person, and yet you are sort of. Putting it away you know and uh, mushrooms doesn't let you put it away
1: yeah absolutely like I mean I had a I had a mushroom trip just this Monday and uh during the experience it was kind of like you said like I felt a lot of shame for the things that I do in my life and on a day-to-day basis and once I'm out of that state I kind of look at it and it's like I don't feel as much shame, like anywhere near as much shame for those things. But now I'm looking at those things and it's like, hey, maybe something here has to change or maybe I need to be a little bit more conscious. And so like you might be right, like it might be, you know, a certain feature of this psychedelic experience or maybe just mushrooms or DMT or whatever it is. It could be this kind of divine shame, as you call it, is that it like it makes you feel ashamed in a way that just brings a little bit more consciousness to what you're actually doing
3: sometimes it's exaggerated shame like if you're having a really bad trip the, the shame that you experience might not equate like how yeah. bad you should feel yeah but i think the lesson there and and i think you agree with me if you if you did it on monday is that it's forcing you to take a look at things that you are sort of lying to yourself about you know how you're t- saying self deception mm-hmm. and you were talking you know you show me the video and everything for sure yeah like psychedelics are like the cure to self-deception
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: you know they they
0: it can be yeah. yeah
3: yeah but I mean if you, if you of course you can take mushroom strips and it can be totally like chaotic and you don't learn anything and I yeah. and I I've seen that you know or
0: it can make things worse too
3: mm-hmm. I think For sure it can make things worse like I'm not going to sit yeah. here and say that it always has that beneficial effect yeah. it depends on the person but I think that you know I don't think that people go on mushrooms, have like an experience that is superficial because any, su- any experience that is meaningful requires like a lot of like um, just a hard look at yourself and, and just realizing like, hey, there are these things that are making me unhappy or the, there are these things that you know I'm doing that I'm not aware of or I'm causing this unhappiness in others. And that is like hard to do in general. Like, and so when we talk about psychedelics as, as, as uh, healing forces, I, I think that that is kind of scathed over a lot when you leave the experience. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that necessarily you guys do it, but a lot of people that talk about psychedelics,
2: mm-hmm.
3: they sort of sugarcoat the psychedelics. Ex- I had a great trip. I had a, you know, yeah, it's a great trip, but like, you know, if, if for it to actually uh, be, you know, if you go into a trip with intention and you come out with it with a lesson, usually there's some work to be done, regardless of whether or not there's like demons. Like, forget mm-hmm. all that, you know. That mm-hmm. I would consider a bad trip, you know. But there's always work to be done. It's 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 a it's a drug that Phyllis facilitates that work for sure. But it's not a walk in the park taking psychedelics and. Uh, people who treat it like that, I think are, I don't understand them. And it, either they're lying to themselves after the trip, or they're having an experience that I cannot relate to. Because mm-hmm. maybe, they're, maybe their mindset is so young and like, you know what I mean? It's just, they're not even asking those questions. So they're kind well, of yeah. guarded with their own mind.
0: Exactly what you just said. They're not asking those questions. Because I think it takes the intention going in to be... And you need to have the intention to go through those things and to be like, oh, I'm doing this for development or for work or because I I want to work on something, you know, because without that, you could just have a good time. I am fully uh, supportive of that. Like the first time I did mushrooms, I was like, I'm going to a festival. I'm going to have some fun. And I was like, over. it was it was like profound and it did change my life. It definitely wasn't superficial. But I just felt like waves of love and compassion for myself. And I was like ecstatic in my happiness and connection to others. And there was no part of it that was like painful or bad.
3: Must not have been too many because you can only have that kind of mushroom trip on lower doses.
0: That's true, yeah, and it's dose dependent because you just said like, oh, it's taking psychedelics and is not a walk in the park. And I did psychedelics the other day, and I went for a walk in the park, and it was pleasant <laughs> as fuck. And the whole shame thing too, like that's really interesting, and I think I'd have to reflect on that more. Mm-hmm. But like I personally don't experience a lot of shame. Like we talk about our our mushroom experiences and stuff. And like, I know Will has had like pretty consistently painful experiences and I've had some painful experiences where I've had to really look at myself and become aware of a lot of things. But in a way, I feel like I'm always doing that work. Like I meditate consistently, I'm journaling and I'm thinking about my life a lot that I don't, I'm not saying I'm like the most self-aware person that I'm not susceptible to, Um, self-delusion and stuff I definitely am but I don't know I I, being consistently working on oneself in and out of the psychedelic experience just means that maybe there's less that's going to come hit you out of nowhere in that in that place and make it really painful you know like you're just more able to confront yourself
3: Well, how much are you doing you know like when you normally do a mushroom trip you're doing like one gram about like
0: uh like two i yeah exactly like it's different right it definitely depends on dose and i i don't even feel like i haven't explored the the greater doses yet so maybe it'll be something different probably
3: clarify because i guess i was sort of in the realm of dmt
0: yeah
3: there is like definitely because i was talking more about you know, heroic doses, of yeah. just like five grams, four or five grams, mm-hmm. because you do enter a different space. You know, when I was when I was talking about like DMT, and how you, you sort of zoom by all these places that you would sort of reside at if you took like four grams of mushrooms or, or however much of acid. Yeah. Um, I've done like one point, like I think it was 1.2 of mushrooms. It is like, way chiller.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: You know, you, you're not as introspective and and you're kind of a little like it's kind of like a, an equilibrium. It's a good amount of like your sober self mixed in with with a with a, you know, psychedelic trip state of mind, right? And a lot of times those trips are not like crazy in terms of like what you're seeing. It's more of a mental state. Like you might see a little bit of waves, but it's but it's not um It's not like alarming or anything, Mm -hmm. but I do agree with you, Kaylee. Like if you're someone that is, that is actually doing the work and, 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 and uh, you're not just like continuously doing the work for the same things and not actually resolving them, but you're actually resolving these issues and moving past them for sure. When you, when you take the mushrooms, I don't think of mushrooms as dishonest. They sort of just pry open Mm
2: -hmm.
3: what you, what you're sort of pushing down. So it's more the people that are maybe let's say being dishonest with themselves or ignoring those feelings that I think generally when they take higher doses of anything uh they're more prone to having um those kinds of feelings. I think mm-hmm. I think that mushrooms heal regardless. Like you take a, 1 gram of mushrooms, not necessarily go through any crazy thoughts like you know what I mean like yeah Revisiting anything that happened in your life and you can still, you know, feel really healed after that trip Mm -hmm. Um, But that healing goes away. I've noticed that that like within a few days, it's like It it sort of vanishes that's that that afterglow, right?
0: Yeah, you have to like really work on it after that Like yeah, there's always like a few days where you're like still kind of in that state But it'll leave if unless you're like constantly like working on connecting to that feeling. But yeah, that's amazing, and you're you're so right. Like, as much as I feel like I've been exploring psychedelics for the past couple years now, I still feel like just an infant in this whole journey because I don't know. Yeah, Mix
3: grams, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, you gotta do it at some point, you know. Like, because you're you're experienced psychonauts, the both of you.
0: We're working up to it.
3: Yeah, but you know, you've done it like more times than anyone I know. Like the, the two of you,
0: mm-hmm.
3: and uh, you are way more equipped to, to 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 do like a heroic dose. And it, and I don't think see if you're gonna do a heroic dose, I don't see the need of doing like even acid because it because acid can last last a long time. Like so, acid can last like a whole day, like 24 hours. You know? Yeah. Completely fuck up your your system and your sleeping and but but you know I think uh, if you get up to you know you, if you start doing five grams let's say five might you know it, different because you guys are differently sized but you do a, like a big heroic dose and you really realize at that point that mushrooms you know has like levels and the five grams the six grams or you know even more the seven grams that's like you're entering a realm of like forget like walking around smiling like you are. <laughs> you are gonna be, yeah, gonna yeah. be immobile. <laughs> Wherever you are, you might be sitting somewhere, but you are not leaving.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And uh you are going to be doing some work, that's for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'll go further back than you ever thought you could, you know? It's uh yeah. It's, yeah. Weird. it's weird.
0: Wow. Oh,
3: cool. yes. You can literally go to your birth.
0: Yeah, yeah that sounds sure. amazing. Honestly, I mean I'm just really interested in having that experience sometime. Cause yeah, everything that I've done, I'm always like here. I'm always still me, no matter how weird it gets. I'm still like in the rooms that I started in. Mm-hmm. So, so much more to explore. So exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So I guess we can start heading to the end of the podcast. So was there anything else that you wanted to mention? I love you guys. I love you too, man.
3: I love you. I think, I think uh, I think overall, all I have to say is that if you want to try DMT, go for it. It's just a question of like, personally, I think it's too intense of an experience to like gain any value and it might go really wrong. Uh, And there's no way for you to predict how like intensely you're going to be hit by it. Mm -hmm. Um, I would recommend, you know, probably the same thing you guys recommend, just having someone that's not doing it there, looking over you, uh, definitely recommend, you know, engaging, you know, going up to it. I think you guys are great because, you know, for example, the five gram thing, like there's no rush for that. Like, you know, when you're ready to Mm -hmm. do something like that. And I think some people feel pressured. Like I did two grams last time. I did three grams last time. Now I got to do four grams.
2: Mm -hmm. I don't think it's
3: about that. Like, you you know, you can do two grams for for 10 years, like, and maybe never even do more. It's not the end of the world. I think that if you're curious and you want to get like deeper into like the psychedelic plane whatever it is uh then there's definitely ways of getting there eat more easily than mushrooms and then you know go to start exploring like ayahuasca or or, like heavy acid Mm -hmm. overall like i think the most important thing that i wish i would have known when i was younger is just be safe uh this is your mind you're messing with like i can't take that you know like it it can scar you. It can, it can leave, it can leave an imprint on you. Like if, had I not done the DMT, I would have probably been okay to do like all these other psychedelics for however long. And now like, I don't feel comfortable doing any of that. And so, you know what I mean? Like there's a trade-off sometimes. Like if you have too, if you go too hard, too quickly, it can deter you and prevent you from like experiencing the magic of, you know, mushrooms with, a bunch of people you love outdoors, you know, mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So I think that's all I have to say is that my, my DMT trip is not necessarily a typical one. Um, and it's, it's just like a personal thing for me, but I strongly believe that like anyone who's seeking out psychedelic experience, there's like a healthier way to go about it. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Be cool. Be safe. Be yeah. a wise tripper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So yeah, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We really appreciate you coming on.
0: Thank you, Francis. This is wonderful.